Hi, I'm Brad. Welcome to Strange for History, the podcast where I talk about, you guessed it, strange history. This is an older episode, recorded and produced before the podcast started to get attention, before editing was done to episodes, before I had a good feeling for how an episode of Strange for History needed to sound, and before our rebranding to Strange for History. These old episodes are not for the faint of heart. There's a lot of stuff here that I'm really not proud of, like audio glitches, bad dialogue, poor editing, and segments that needed to be dropped, like the interviews, or like the rapid-fire history facts. While you're welcome to start and listen from here, I would recommend that you fast-forward to episode 12, Spanish Civil War, instead. Either here or there, I hope you enjoy this journey that we will take together as we explore many of the things that make us, us. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this little podcast, and even if you do not continue past here, I do so very much appreciate you and your time. Hi, I'm Brad, and welcome to Strange History, the podcast where we discuss, you guessed it, the stranger parts of history. Today, we'll be covering the life and times of a demonic pirate, We'll explore his ship and talk about his death, and then we'll cover that one time the CIA was allowed to spy on people, and the lawmakers decided that assassinations were bad. We've got two special announcements today as well, and before we begin, I'd like to thank you guys for an amazing year. We're a little slow getting started, and we're kind of slow growing, and we've reached about 3,000 streams over the past year. And I would like to thank the demographics that listen the most, as well as thank the newcomers to our little community. Seems like the United States is where most of the listeners come from. But I was actually kind of surprised to learn that my home state isn't in lead in a listenership. It's actually Texas. Texas alone has around 12% of the overall community base. So to those of you around Dallas and Houston, y'all are the real MVPs. We've also landed in five new countries this year, so a big shout out to the United Kingdom, Algeria, Malta, New Zealand, and the Netherlands. I think that covers this year's thank yous and the podcast wrap, so let's dive on into uh, the show. Episode 11, Sea Gods. 200 tons, nearly 100 foot in length. 40 guns in total and a crew of nearly 300 wretched souls. A mast 25 foot high and rigged with sails white as snow. Dyed black by fear, gunpowder, death, and blood. At the helm stood a giant of a man named Edward Teach. Towering over the others at nearly six foot in stature. His reputation preceded him, however. The hat lined with fuses and gunpowder in the brim, the pistols, the swords, and that beard as dark as night. Blackbeard. A fitting name for a legend of the seas. But his ship, Queen Anne's Revenge, was the real terror. Sure, Teach himself was an absolute demon, but the ship was the true devil. She was not always a pirate ship, however. The earliest records of what would be the Queen Anne come from Bristol in 1710, and the ship was originally called Concord. She was built for merchant services, 
not pirating. Eventually, however, Concord would be captured by a group of French privateers, basically pirates for hire, and renamed La Concorde. La Concorde served as a merchant vessel, a naval frigate, as well as a slave ship for a number of years. And then on November 28th, 1717, Blackbeard would finally capture the ship near the island of St. Vincent. Teach would sell off the ship's cargo and would convert it into his flagship, renaming her to Queen Anne's Revenge and adding many heavy cannons to the ship's armament. Over the next several months, Teach would sail his ship from Africa to the Caribbean, attacking every single nationality along the way and capturing many, many prizes. In May of 1719, Blackbeard refused to accept the king's pardon and ran his ship aground. His crew would be dispersed, the cargo offloaded, and there, on a small island, he would strand his sailors before taking over command of another ship called the Adventure and escaping. He would later be killed in combat against Naval Lieutenant Robert Maynard. Now, after that brief rundown of Blackbeard, it is worth discussing things a bit more in depth. Now, on November 28th of 1717, two ships appeared on the horizon, making their way towards the ship known then as La Concorde. The ships pulled up to either side of the slaver, and each fired a full broadside across the ship, killing several of the crew members outright and forcing its captain to quickly surrender the damaged vessel to the pirates whom had attacked them. Blackbeard and his crew sailed the ship from the island of St. Vincent toward the Quay, where they forced the crew and cargo off the ship and converted it to their own use. Blackbeard would rename the vessel to its current name almost immediately, as well as equip it with as many as 40 heavy cannon. The first time Queen Anne would see combat would be against the crew of the Great Allen. After a long battle, Teach forced the ship to surrender, emptied its holds, and proceeded to burn the ship as well. This event would go on to be reported by, of all things, a Boston newspaper, which reported Blackbeard as having, at that current time, three different ships. The Queen Anne, with a reported 32-gun, a brigantine with 10, and a sloop with 12. It is unknown as to where one of the ships came from, but it was believed at this time that Blackbeard commanded a small pirate army of around three to four hundred men. In December, Blackbeard and his crew would stop a merchant ship and hold them captive for around eight hours, ransacking their ship all the while. Harry Bostock, the captain of the merchant ship Margaret, would be the first to report the physical description of the demon known as Edward Blackbeard Teach. Another man, Charles Johnson, in 1724, would report Blackbeard as being such a figure that imagination cannot form an idea of a fury from hell to look more frightening. Bostock also reported that when he informed Blackbeard of a royal pardon for pirates, he was unamused, yet unsurprised by the news. Over the next year or so, reports of the dreaded pirates seemed to have disappeared, with no confirmed sightings of Blackbeard or his crew. In March of 1718, 
a lumbership called the Adventure would be added to his fleet of ships, and later five extras would be added as well. In May of 1718, Blackbeard surrounded the coastal town of Charlestown, South Carolina, and blockaded the city with his massive pirate fleet. Having no guard ship meant that there were no defenses against pirates, giving Charlestown no way to defend themselves. Interestingly enough, though, it seems that all Blackbeard really wanted was medical supplies, as well as anything in the cargo holds of the nine ships that he and his men plundered. Once medical supplies were handed over, Blackbeard happily upheld his end of the bargain made with Samuel Wagg, a member of the local city council, and released all prisoners that he had taken, safe and sound. Blackbeard did, however, learn some troubling news. A man by the name of Woods Rogers had left England with a massive fleet of British man-o'-wars and standing orders to purge the West Indies of pirates. In an attempt to hide or escape, Blackbeard and his fleet sailed northward. On June 10th, 1718, Queen Anne ran aground on a sandbar and received major damage as a result of the accident. The adventurer would attempt to assist, but would also run aground. The damage to both ships would cripple them, leaving them abandoned and well beyond repair. In late June, Blackbeard and a small number of his crew would be pardoned by Governor Eden and would be allowed to walk away as free men. Now, this pardon was available to all pirates, and Blackbeard was eager to accept it. Teach would settle in the city of Bath and eventually be given permission by Eden to be a privateer. Again, a legal pirate. It's a great way to remove former pirates or troublesome people from towns or cities. And he was given the official title to his one and only remaining ship, which he renamed Adventure. It's a very creative man. By the end of August, however, Blackbeard was, of course, back to pirating. and was issued an arrest warrant by the governor of Pennsylvania. He would, however, be cleared of all charges when he stated it to an admiralty board that he did not raid or pillage the ship in question, but he had actually found it deserted at sea. Whether or not this is true is up for debate. However, the contents of the ship's hold were given to various different people at the time. Blackbeard spent most of his free time on Ocracoke Island. It gave him an open view of the sea and he could easily see all the ships coming and going from all the local ports. This is where he met Charles Vane, another pilot who was actively being hunted by Benjamin Hornigold, a former captain and a former friend of Blackbeard, now turned professional pirate hunter. Teach and Vane spent many nights on the island together, joined by many a famous pirate. However, these events soon became public knowledge and the public was frightened at the idea of well-named pirates coming together for any reason. Now, because of the small get-together, 
and a fear that the colony of North Carolina could not deal with pirates on their own, the governor of Virginia dispatched two ships and 55 men, commanded by Lieutenant Maynard, to hunt down and kill Blackbeard and his crew. The final battle would take place on November 21st, 1718. Due to yet another party, Blackbeard had not set a lookout, giving Maynard and his team the chance to approach the island hideout quietly and without being detected. However, a scouting ship would be spotted, and Blackbeard would fire the guns of the adventure, while also cutting the anchor line to reposition his ship. This ultimate mistake, however, forced the vessel to again run aground. However, even amidst the panic, the cannons sprang to life. Hell was unleashed on Maynard and his small team with a single volley of the cannons. With one blast, a third of his forces were dead. A ship was boarded, but Maynard had prepared for this event by hiding most of his forces in the cargo hold. Spotting each other from across the decks, the two captains drew their flintlock pistols and fired. Neither shot would connect, and they immediately discarded the spent guns. They would draw swords. But a pirate movie, this is not. There was no long, drawn-out sword fight. No banter. No smart quips. With one mighty swing, Edward Teach snapped Lieutenant Maynard's cutlass clean in half. But here's where logic dictates the story should end. But reality is always... Oh, so strange. As Teach moved into attack again, he was sliced across the neck by one of the men under Maynard's command. Badly wounded, bleeding, and no doubt shocked and scared, this gave the better trained sailors and soldiers a chance to actually end things. According to reports that followed the bloodbath at the hands of several of Menard's troops, simply brutally attacking hacking, slashing, and killing Blackbeard. And as you can imagine, it was savage at best. But the deed was done, and the pirate was dead. Five bullet wounds and 22 stab wounds. He would be decapitated. His head hung from the bow of Maynard's ship, and his body simply discarded, dropped into the cold blue water below. Now this is a good time to mention that in the folklore and stories of the battle, Many, many men claim to have witnessed the pirate's body swimming headless around the ship. Although this is a clear example of storytelling and exaggeration. And I do need to mention again, October got away from me, as it always does. The lack of episodes through Talatober is incredibly upsetting. So know that I've already started to write episodes for October 2022 already. They're going to release on time. This does bring us to a few points of news, however. Firstly, I am in the works of starting another podcast for my second favorite pastime, bad video games. Be ready for a few of my friends and I to drink and aggressively discuss several obvious issues with your favorite games and series. Secondly, you guys are going to be getting a special episode soon. We partnering with a local oddity shop to tell the occasional ghost story. UFO sighting, and monster story from the local area. It'll be a little bit different than what you're used to, but I'm sure it'll be a fun adventure for all of us. We might be getting a new co-host in the future as well. Haven't really decided on that one. 
And this brings us to the historical event of the day. Today is December 4th, 1981. Now, I do realize that this episode is releasing four days afterwards on December 8th, but it's finals week, and finals are important. So I had to, unfortunately, yet again, delay this episode. Now, December 4th, 1981 is a day that will live in quiet infamy, but it is something that should absolutely be discussed. Using his power as the President of the United States of America, Ronald Reagan officially signed Executive Order 1233-3, designed to expand the powers of the Central Intelligence Agency. It also forced the leadership of all U.S. federal agencies to fully cooperate with the CIA's request for information. It also legalized spying efforts inside the country by the CIA as well. Um, Interestingly enough, this same bill, 12333, also banned the usages of legal assassinations, further solidifying the U.S. ideology to not simply kill targets of interest, an idea first brought up by President Ford. Today, Executive Order 12333 should be talked about because of its continued effects in daily life. As the National Security Agency, or NSA, still uses the legality of 12333 to spy on U.S. citizens and uses major search engines such as Yahoo and Google to gather data on users. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Strange for History. I hope you enjoyed learning about today's subject, and it was a lot of fun having you with Brad, not me. (laughs) You'll have me if you start on episode 12. You can find this podcast on many different places, such as Facebook and Twitter. That's at Strange, the number four history, and on all major streaming sites as well, such as Google, Amazon, Spotify, Apple, um, even Good Pods, those indie ones, or really wherever your ears are listening. We at Strange for History appreciate your companionship and hope you continue to enjoy learning about those strange, weird things that make us, us.